0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Hey, I have a joke for you. What do you call a dinosaur with an anxiety disorder? A nervous rex. Okay, hey, this is my real joke. Two little kids were in a hospital and they were lying on stretchers and they were next to each other outside the operating room. The first little child leaned over and said, hey, what are you in here for? The second kid said, well, I'm in here to get my tonsils out and I'm so nervous about it. The first kid says, oh, you've got nothing to worry about. I had that done when I was four. They put you to sleep and when you wake up, they give you lots of jello and ice cream. It's a breeze. Then the second kid says, well, what are you here for? And the first kid said, a circumcision. And the second kid says, whoa. I had that done right after I was born, and I couldn't walk for a year. (laughs) Okay, Listen, just remember the jokes Bob told you. Come on. That's nothing. Bob's not here. I couldn't say, is that okay?" And if he was here, he would have gone, oh, it's fine, because it's not even edgy like what he used to tell you. Today, we're going to talk about how to calm an anxious, worried mind. We're in uh, week two of our Mind Monster series. And I want you to know my goal is that you will know how to win the war of your mind by the time you leave today. Because literally, how you're thinking can change the whole trajectory of your life. Most of the battles that we go through, they're won or lost in our mind. It's impossible for you to have a positive life when you have negative thoughts in your mind. It's a problem because sometimes your mind will race with irrational thoughts and anxiety and worry and fear. And I want you to know that you can change that. So, will you stand with me as we read the Word of God? I'm going to have you read it with me. It's up on the screen. We're reading out of the NIV, Philippians 4 6 through 8. Now, when Paul wrote these verses, when he wrote this book, it's a short book in the Bible, he was literally in prison. In his prison, was like a dungeon, it was not a good thing. He was chained to a guard 24-7, and he was really excited because, well, then he could just share with whatever guard he was chained to, and they were gonna execute him, and that really excited him because he would go and be with the Lord. And then they said, well, maybe we should just turn you back out, and he thought, better still, I can just share with people about who God is. So he really had the capacity to be content in all of his circumstances and divine wisdom that he's sharing with us in this word. Read it with me. Do not be anxious about anything. Stop. This time when you hit anything, I want you to say it loud. Let's do it once more. Do not be anxious about anything. Good job. But in every situation, stop. We're going to read it again, and I want you to say every loud, okay? But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Look, it doesn't say here when you feel like it or if something's really difficult. It says in every circumstance, every situation, not to be anxious about anything. Read verse 7 with me. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, let's read it together. Finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, think about such things, think about such things, things. the title of my message is calm your anxious mind, let's pray, God I pray that you'll calm our mind. I pray that you'll take whatever's heavy on our hearts and our minds and that we'd be able to lay that before you and release it to you. We seek to change our stinking thinking and renew our minds with the truth of your word. We know that you love us, that you care for us, that you provide for us. God give us peace of mind, peace of heart, and let us have that peace that goes above and beyond even what the world can comprehend and all of God's precious people said, amen. As you're sitting down, say to your neighbor, get you some peace. Oh, you guys had good attitude on that. Good for you. Listen, the bottom line is your mind is gonna go in the direction of whatever the strongest thought is that's in your mind. And so I'm gonna talk to you for a moment, which is really dangerous, because I have a little bit of knowledge that can be dangerous about how your mind works. So in your mind, God gave us such amazing brains. In your brain, we have this little almond-shaped thing called the amygdala. They're going to put it, oh, they did. And so the amygdala, God gave that to us. And the amygdala is literally that part of your brain that when you're in danger, it says to you, fight or flight. It says, danger, be careful. Like if you were driving to church like I was this morning and on the freeway somebody was texting, not paying attention, and they started to swerve into my lane, the amygdala said to me, uh-oh, look out or they're going to hit you. That's a good thing. Now, unfortunately, for some of us, we have events or things that have happened in our life, and the amygdala has been triggered, and the enemies come in and use that, what God gave us for a good thing, the enemy's using that to work against us where it's overworking, it's making us worry and be anxious. For example, I do not like snakes. They are not in my realm. I can handle bugs. I do not like snakes. There are nine very dangerous snakes. A cobra is amongst them. I have a picture. I look at that picture, any snake really, but I look at that picture and my amygdala goes, run, danger, go away. Who would want to have a snake? I do not know. Now, I have an over aversion to snakes because when I was about 12, we water skied, my family except for my mom would water ski. We would water ski in a lake up above Sacramento, Comanche Lake. One summer when we were water skiing, I was water skiing enjoying just the freeness of being out on the lake and I saw two rattlesnakes in the lake. Two. How many of you knew rattlesnakes could swim? I did not know rattlesnakes could swim. I did not need to learn that rattlesnakes can swim. So I said to my dad, I do not want to go in the lake. I do not like snakes. I do not want to be in the water where the rattlesnakes are. And my dad said, pumpkin, it's a fluke. It's a one in a million thing. You will never see another rattlesnake in this big lake. And the next week when we were launching our boat, there was a rattlesnake in the field as we were launching our boat. That summer, When I was water skiing, instead of slaloming, where you lean really into the water and you're just having a great time going fast, I was on two skis. (laughs) Alert. Oh, no, it's a twig. It's okay. Should I go out of the wake? Oh, I don't know. Looking tense the whole time. My amygdala over responded. I was convinced I was going to hit a rattlesnake and get hurt. Now, here's the interesting thing. I can go swimming in a pool and I look for a rattlesnake. What do you think the odds are that there will be a rattlesnake in somebody's pool? So that just shows how the enemy came in and took something that really the amygdala was good to warn me, be careful of rattlesnakes, but over responding to it where it became a worry for me. We have that um, prefrontal part of our brain and that's our, our, our cortex. And that is the logical part of our brain. And that tells us logically the prefrontal cortex that things are okay. And um, we have to balance that logical with the amygdala. But the reason I'm talking to you about how your brain works is I want you to know that what God gave you to help you, the enemy comes in to use it to destroy you. Our amygdala responds according to how we've reprogrammed it and I'm telling you that we can undo and pre-program our brain. It says in scripture, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Give your burdens to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will take over your life. His peace, my precious friends, will guard your mind. Too often we undervalue and discount the power of prayer. I was talking to a gal this week and she was telling me how difficult her marriage was. I was on my cell phone. She was telling me how miserable she is. She was telling me how how horrible her husband is. And at the end of our conversation, towards the end, she said to me, Well, I guess all I have left is to pray. I was so thankful she couldn't see my face. All you have left is to pray. God in heaven is probably going, hello. I spoke and I created the universe. I parted the Red Sea. I move the mountains. I'm a God that I go, touch somebody who's blind and they can see. Somebody who's lame and can't walk, I touch them and they can walk. I've said to people who have died, rise and walk. I guess the last thing I can do is pray? Prayer is so powerful, my precious friends. As followers of Jesus, we need to recognize that prayer is never our last line of defense. Prayer is always our first line of offense. We need to take things to God in prayer. In Hebrews, it says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. In the book of James, it says, we have not because we don't ask. Prayer also literally changes the chemistry of your brain, which is why I'm talking about your brain. It's called neuroplasticity. Our brain is always changing. They used to think that your brain developed until you were 15, and that was it. It wouldn't develop anymore. God gave us such a beautiful brain. Our brain can always be reprogrammed and changed. So I was reading this book. It's called Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. I haven't read all of it. But I was reading this book, and she talks about studying how our mind relates to the relationship between our, our mind and our belief in God and praying. And I read this excerpt, and I thought, this is profound. And it says, it's been found, so I'm giving you this whole book in 30 seconds, which is just a great wisdom statement. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change your brain to the extent that it can be measured in a brain scan. Let me read that again. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight week period can change your brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brain scan. Can you turn my mic off so I can cough? I DON'T KNOW, I WAS TRYING TO BE POLITE ABOUT THAT. LISTEN, PRAYER TOUCHES YOUR BRAIN. PRAYER CHANGES YOUR BRAIN. IT CAN TRANSFORM YOUR THINKING. WHAT ARE YOU worrying ABOUT? IF WE'RE FOLLOWERS OF CHRIST, WE SHOULD COMPLETELY TRUST IN GOD AND, and ALLOW HIM TO COME IN AND CHANGE OUR THINKING. IF WE'RE FOLLOWERS OF CHRIST, WHY ARE WE WORRYING AND WHY ARE WE ANXIOUS? DON'T LET THAT AMYGDALA, PART OF YOUR BRAIN, GET HIJACKED and puts you in that flight zone when reality is you can cast your cares on our Heavenly Father. Worry is distrusting the promises of God. So sorry, you guys. When you worry, you're saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't think you can take care of this. Listen, I'm telling you, my precious friends, you cannot have faith and worry exist in your heart. When worry comes in, faith goes out the back door. When you ask faith into your heart, worry goes out the back door. Think about what is true, what's right, lovely, admirable. Focus on things of God. Romans 8:5 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God. Excuse me for a second. Such a powerful word and the enemy's hitting my voice. God, I thank you that my voice is going to be clear through the rest of the service. When you let the Holy Spirit come in, when you give him control, you walk with a peace. Worry and anxiety create so much stress in your life. It says anxious hearts are very heavy in Proverbs 12, 25. Proverbs 14, 30 says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Listen, worry is not helpful. When you worry, it will not accomplish anything. There's a tendency I call worrying stewing without doing. It would be like having a race car, putting the gas down all the way, and you're not going anywhere. (coughs) Worry is not good for you. The things we tend to worry about are work, which is our job security. Money. We worry about our financial well-being, our health. We worry if we have a cold or a cough that we've got COVID. We worry that we're gonna get cancer. We worry about what others think. Listen, I was so worried about what you think. Somebody cut my hair yesterday. I got one of those airplane pillows you put around your neck. I slept with that airplane pillow so that my hair would stay looking decent. You know why? Because I don't have Bob anymore to tell me if I have a hole in the back of my head. And I have people at church that often tell me, oh, Pastor Sherry, your hair's a little bit wild. Thank you so much. But we do worry about what others think. I was in Toastmasters when I was young. It was one of my penance, is that the right word? I got in trouble, and so my dad decided punishment when I was 12 would be to go to Toastmasters. Hey, Toastmasters is a good thing. I am not knocking it. However, I was 12, downtown Sacramento, had to be there at six o'clock in the morning once a week. Businessmen and lobbyists, all in suits, they would have you do table topics where you have two minutes to talk about what they tell you to talk about. They would take a newspaper and talk about some political thing. Okay, Sherry, I want you to talk about yada, 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 yada. And they would say that and I'd, I'd sit there and think, I have no clue what that even means. And then I'd stand up and say, well, um, and then they had horns, like you would put on a bicycle Horns on a bicycle are really cute, honk, 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 honk. They are not cute when you're in a room and you say, well, um, and everybody's honk, 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 honk. I have a part of me, that amygdala that's hijacked, that once in a while when I stand in front of you, I'm waiting for you to all pull out the horn and honk it at me. If I pause, you laugh, but I do worry about what other people think. The health of friends and relatives. People worry about their past, their relationships, being late, not waking up to an alarm or missing a plane or a bus. Matthew 6, 26 through 27 says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in parns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you worrying add a single hour to your life? Worrying is unhelpful. Number two, worrying is unreasonable. It exaggerates the problems and it makes a mountain out of a molehill. You review things over and over, and it gets bigger and bigger. And 80% of the time, what you worry about is never even going to take place. Matthew 6, 25 says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than your clothes? And the most important thing, my precious friends, is worry is not healthy. God did not make you to be anxious or worry. He wants you to trust, rest, rely, dwell in his presence. And worry breaks down your immune system. It hurts your back. It creates heart problems. It creates high blood pressure. Do you know that in the last two years, the number one injury death is suicide? It used to be the number one injury death would have been car accidents and fatalities from car accidents. Matthew 6, 27 says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? It is not good for you. So I have an illustration for you. Thank you, Zach. I feel like Vanna White. Hey, Zach. Oh, come on, give Zach a hand. So here's my worry box. So I worry about things. And I put them in this box, and I carry it around. And I carry it around, and I carry it around. This is my worry box. And I'm saying to you today, you have the option to have a worry box or a God box. Now, notice my worry box is little and my God box is big. For some of you, your worry box is big and your God box is little. So I'm telling you, don't worry. And instead of worrying, give it to God. And so what we do sometimes is, okay, God, I give this to you. And then we walk away from it. And then a while later, no, I don't know if I trust you with that God. AND WE TAKE IT BACK. WE TAKE IT BACK AND NOW WE'RE CARRYING THAT WORRY AGAIN INSTEAD OF TRUSTING GOD. AND I'M SAYING TO YOU TODAY, CHANGE YOUR THINKING. GIVE YOUR WORRIES TO HIM. GIVE THEM TO GOD. LET HIM CARRY WHAT YOU'RE worrying ABOUT. WHAT DO YOU WORRY ABOUT? Too often, your God is too small, and your worries are too big. I'm saying to you this morning, my precious friends, you need a bigger God and a smaller worry box. When you worry, you're acting as if God doesn't exist, and you don't promise him. That you don't, you don't trust his promises. There's so many promises in his word. So how you don't worry, number one, walk in peace. When I say walk in peace, I know that when you worry and have anxiety, sometimes it can surface without warning. Ephesians 6:14 and 15 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted for readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The New Living Translation says, for shoes put on the piece that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. What I'm talking about in this verse is Paul is talking about the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers had open-toed um, boot-type shoes that had nail studs in them, and they're similar to what we have as cleats. And so those would really lock into the ground that they were standing on. The Roman soldiers knew that when they were in battle, they needed to be firmly planted and solid. They knew that if they were knocked over, they were doomed, they would lose the war. Listen, my precious friends, we need to be firmly planted, solid, steadfast, immovable in the Word of God and who God is. We need to be so firmly planted that the enemy is going to come and we're going to go, oh, no, no, I'm not going to go there. We need to be so stable. What would happen if the enemy, instead of anxiety, saw preparation and strength in you, that you were so firmly planted that when he came with the assaults, you wouldn't move or be shaken? For example, the other night, now that I live alone, except for Gracie, my ferocious 10-month-old Siberian Husky pup, who isn't so ferocious recently, The other night, when I go to bed now, I turn my alarm on. So that alarm will not go off unless somebody's touched a door or a window. At about 11.30 or 1 in the morning, the alarm went off. It is startling. It is loud. Gracie was like, whoa. So I went immediately and opened her crate, turned off the alarm, grabbed a golf club, and said, Gracie, come with me. She just looked at me like, yeah, I'm not going to move. It's bedtime. I walked through the house, I looked at the windows, I looked at the doors, everything was secure. And I thought, well, maybe the cat set off the alarm, but I don't have a cat. So I would had to go to that prefrontal cortex of my brain instead of the amygdala that was hijacked. And I felt like the enemy said to me, see, you're alone. You're alone. Somebody could come and hurt you. And I said, no, I'm not alone. I have Gracie, but I have God, and God is my protection. And I walked through my house and I said, thank you, God, that every window is secure, every door is secure. And I had to really place all of that at the Lord's hands. Instead of picking up the worry box of, oh, I'm so alone, and oh. Do you hear what I'm saying? You get the jest. And Gracie. Number two, live one day at a time. I've really learned this in my life since Bob's not here, one day at a time. Trust him every day and release everything to him. Matthew 6:34 says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about self. Each day has enough trouble. Of it's own. focus on today. You see today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday and you're going to miss today's blessing. If you're so hung up and worried about tomorrow or thinking about your past, one day at a time, depending on Him, moment by moment. And number three, trust God. But you'll notice on that I put the addendum. Trust God no matter what. No matter what. No matter what circumstance comes your way, no matter what happens, because He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is your rock. He is your foundation. He is your savior. He is your protector. He is, he is your God. He loves you. He's, his banner over you is love. He is Jehovah Jireh. Cast all of your cares on Him. Trust Him no matter what comes your way. Matthew 6, starting at the end of verse 32 says, your heavenly Father already knows what you need and He'll give it to you if if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, my friends, worry and trust can't live in the same heart. You can only have one or the other. So when worry comes in, you've got to kick it out and say, I'm not going to go there. My feet are firmly planted. I am standing solid and firm. I'm going to live one day at a time, and I'm going to trust you, God. And I believe that you will take care of me in all circumstances. It's like an insurance policy. We have 7,000 promises in the Word of God. I had to get an insurance policy on my house recently. And for the first time, I had to read the stupid insurance policy. Sorry if you sell insurance. I'm not trying to be rude. And I read that policy, and after I paid for it and read it, I thought, okay, now I know my house is covered. I know I'm protected. Listen, my precious friends, there are 7,000 promises here in the Word of God. If you do not read them, if you do not know them, you don't know how you're protected. You don't have that banner of protection. You need to read this. You need to memorize this. You need to know this. You need to have it in your heart. You need to write down those promises. You need to think those promises. You need to confess those promises. Are you happy with the direction your life's taking? Are you happy with where your thoughts are taking you? Declare in your life that Jesus is first. Declare, I am disciplined, and I am growing closer and closer to him every day. My faith is deeper. I am immovable. I am unshakable. I am creative. I am innovated, and I am blessed beyond measure. His peace will guard your heart, your mind, and your soul. You are not a slave, my precious friends. You are not a hostage to your thoughts. You are not a slave or hostage to any addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness. You have been brought into the knowledge of the life of who he is and his kingdom. Worry is not your master. His peace will guard your heart, mind, and soul. Renew your mind. You cannot control what happens to you, but you do have the capacity and the power to control how you frame it and what you do with it. And this is a God word for you. And I will close on this word. As followers of Jesus, we're not interpreting God through our circumstances. We are interpreting our circumstances THROUGH THE GOODNESS AND POWER OF GOD. WHEN YOU KNOW THE TRUTH, THE TRUTH WILL SET YOU FREE. BUT IN EVERY SITUATION, BY PRAYER AND PETITION, WITH THANKSGIVING, PRESENT YOUR REQUEST TO GOD. We're stepping out of the lies of our spiritual enemy, and we're stepping into the truths of God. I speak over all of you that a renewed mind will set you free. It is my privilege to have you watch a video testimony that Julie Valenzuela, who works with our uh, kids, did. It's an amazing testimony. She used to be a dancer. She's with your kids. She's unbelievable. Please watch this video with me.
1: My name is Julie Valenzuela, and worry is Gosh, it's been a pretty much like a lifelong issue that I've dealt with. So I would say that pretty much anything could make me feel worrisome. Um, a lot of my life was very, very busy and moving fast all the time, and so some, sometimes the busyness of things could get in the way, and that would just—I would just be worrying about this and that, and, or stressing over, you know. Did I, how I did something, did I say this right? Did I do that right? So I think a little bit of it might have been a perfectionist type of an attitude, a performance type of an attitude, trying to please, uh, wanting to do the right thing, even before God, wanting to do the right thing. And unfortunately, it was something that it began to affect my health. It began to affect my emotions. Um, it affected my spiritual walk with God. It, it just affected me in every way. Sometimes you don't even know why you're worried. Sometimes you just have uh, like this thing in the pit of your stomach that just doesn't stop and, and it's almost like your whole body chemistry changes. And I've even had those moments where I sit there and I go, what is going on? What am I worried about? And I, and I can't even decipher what I'm worried about sometimes. So my turning point came Gosh, this has been many years ago. This is when Pastor Bob was giving out scripture cards in church. I got a scripture card that was 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The actual card that he gave me said disciplined mind. I had never heard it that way. And that that word discipline stuck with me. And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, that means that I discipline my mind. I don't just allow any thought into my mind. It means I have to make the choice about what thoughts I'm gonna shut out and what thoughts I'm gonna shut in. One of the things that I that I do, that I make a practice of every day is taking walks. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I, for some reason, I feel this worry, this anxiety trying to come over me. And I just begin to walk at the park and I began to enter into God's presence, and I began to sing, and to worship, and to thank the Lord for all that He's doing in my life. I can leave that park completely free, completely free. And then from that day, from that time on, it's the choice that I just continue to make. There is victory at the cross.
0: listening to this message from the Cause Church. For more information about the cause or for further resources, visit our website thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.